Let's pray about that. God, when it comes to your holiness, I mean, the people in the Old Testament were even afraid to state your name because of your holiness. And yet you have given us the privilege of proclaiming your name above all in worship. And God, may that not be because a song is playing or because we're in this room. May it be because you're ever present in our lives. And Father, we desire to obey you biblically and live and reflect Christ and how we treat others and how we respond to you. So Father, God, you are holy. And we ask that this morning while we're here and in your word that you would reflect your holiness, God. And may it be our testimony that we are clothed in your righteousness, Father, so that when we stand before you, we are considered faultless because you are a holy God and before you, nothing that is blemished can be before you. But Father, through Jesus Christ, we are faultless to stand before the throne because you are holy. So God, today, may we shout with acclamation your holiness and the privilege we have because of Christ Jesus to dwell in in your presence. I speak through your word today. In your name we pray. Amen. I invite you to turn to the book of Haggai. We started Haggai last week. We will conclude it this week, mainly because it's only two chapters. But we're going to be in Haggai chapter 2 this morning. Last week we talked briefly about uh, kind of setting you the idea, reminding you of what Haggai is about. Haggai is a prophet that God used, which means he delivered a message through Haggai to his people. His people had been uh, in Babylonian exile. They have returned back to the promised land, although there's not as many of them as there was before. They were back and they came and said, you know what? We're going to get back to the land of our forefathers and we're going to start living like our forefathers and honoring God like our forefathers in the land which he has given us. And when they came back, they said, in doing so, we're going to rebuild the temple. They faced opposition. They had a hard time and they gave up. And for 16 years, they lived in disobedience and decided to look after their own interests for 16 years rather than do what they knew God wanted them to do because the temple symbolized the dwelling place of God. Uh, And God, they knew that in rebuilding the temple, establishing that, that presence where they could be in the presence of God and be around the presence of God for the fact that they were ignoring that, they were more consumed with building their homes than than the house of God. God called them out on it through the prophet Haggai. And he used a phrase that we see in chapter 1 and verse 5. He says, give careful thought to your ways. And all throughout these two chapters, several times God is using Haggai to say, hey, you might want to stop and think about that for a minute. Hey, you might want to hit the pause button on what your agenda is and think about why you're doing what you're doing and where God plays into that. So we see this idea that now after chapter 1, we see that Haggai called them to live biblically, called them to live in obedience to who God was, to put first things first and recognize the significance of who God is and to place him first in their lives, to quit worrying about their own lives and to worship God by giving him what he deserves. And when you do, everything kind of falls in place. That is not a coincidence. That's not a lucky way things fail, it's how things work. That when we honor God and when we give him first things first, when we give him first place in our lives, he lines up everything else and takes care of it. 
Because when God calls us to something, he has a plan to make sure it gets carried out. And when we live obediently, when we live according to God's word, he is honored, he is glorified, and people start seeing a difference that God makes in the world around them. We shine the light in the darkness. And Haggai was calling them out in doing so. And when we end the first chapter, when the people started getting an idea of the God-sized vision for their lives and for their families and for the generations that are coming behind them, we see that God started stirring up the people. Said he stirred them up. So that's kind of where we pick up today. We're going to start in chapter 2. Again, last week we talked about first thing first. Well, you know, some of us are saying, well, how do we put first things first? Let's shine to shift gears from the people in this book to, the, to, to what's going on in our worlds. How do we put first things first today? Justin, I'm busy. I have family. I have a job. I have relationships. I have friends. I have things I want to do. How do I put first things? How do I kind of reset the button to kind of go back to putting first things first? Well, we need a fresh start. And that's what we're talking about today is a fresh start so that we can put first things first. After all, Jesus himself said, but seek first the kingdom of God. He never said, but seek the kingdom of God, because he knows that if Jesus just would have said, hey, seek the kingdom of God, then it would have left up to us to put in what order of priority we're going to seek the kingdom of God. No, he said, seek first the kingdom of God. And what happens when we do? Y'all remember what he said? And all these things. All these things shall be added unto you. Dude, I've got, you seek first the kingdom of God, I'll take care of the rest. And last week we talked about this idea of first things first. And today we're going to take it a step further of how do we make first things first, especially if we're kind of in the middle of the story. You know, we're not starting the book at chapter one, you know, in your world, in your life, you're, you're, you're maybe halfway through the book. You're about four chapters in. How do we start over? We need a fresh start. And that's what we're looking at today in, in Haggai chapter 2. And three things we're going to look at. Uh, we're going to see the three fresh starts that God brought to the people. First, he gives them a fresh glimpse of his glory. Second, he gives them a fresh perspective on provision. And third, he gives them a fresh view of victory. I'm telling you that now. We're going to talk about it a little bit more, but just mapping it out for you. But let's look in Haggai chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read this whole chapter, so just hang in there with me and follow along as we acknowledge God's word is truth. It says, in the second year of King Darius, or Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel. Son of that guy, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak. The high priest, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth the sea, and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. 
The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? The priests answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, so it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the formation, foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. The word of the Lord came to Haggai the second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant, Zerubbabel, Son of that guy declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. Anybody ever read the second chapter of Haggai before? First thing, first time for everything, isn't it? Well, let's dive into this and see what it says. And for the record, I don't know if that she'll tell or shall tell or whatnot, but instead of just making an issue, we just kind of went through it. I'm just letting you all know that in case you didn't pick up on that. The other guy is not written in the Bible. But the first thing we're going to look at is a fresh glimpse of glory. When we look back in the beginning of chapter 2 and we see Haggai calling out to Zerubbabel, we understand that this is the word of the Lord speaking through Haggai. And he's talking to him and he's pointing him to and he's, he's encouraging him in this text because he's already been discouraged. Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago. Number one, one of the main enemies of ministry is discouragement. And in this time, Zerubbabel and Joshua and the people were being discouraged. And what they were being discouraged by was the people that were maybe that had traveled back with them or maybe the people in the land that never left. Because those people were looking at this new temple that was being built and they were like, "Mm, that ain't as good as the first one. First one was bigger. First one was prettier. You know, the first one, they used actual granite for that instead of wood. Man, people were just like poking holes all in their temple. 
That they were working hard. They were being obedient. They were doing what God called them to do. And in doing so, there were people standing around naysayers. The other one was better than that one. That one's not as pretty as the first one. It's not as big as the first one either. They're getting discouraged. Because what they were doing is they were being obedient to the Lord. And, and, and when you start doing it, and maybe you've experienced something like that. As you were doing something that you know God had called you to do it. Or God had prompted your heart. Or you had a passion for it to do something for the kingdom of God. And in doing so, there are people standing around and be like, well, I've seen it done better. I mean, that looks okay and all. And bless your heart. You know, that's always encouraging. Bless your heart. Bless my heart. Bless your heart. You're trying. Really? We're going to intercede and say, hey, you know what? You're doing something in obedience to the Lord, but I'm going to judge it. Really? But we've been discouraged by people that are like that. Bless your heart. And Haggai knew they were being, the Lord knew they were being discouraged. And he said, Haggai, tell them this. That's what he says in verse three. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it look like nothing to you? See, they weren't focused on what God had called them to do. They were still focused on what it looked like in the past. These people, these people led by Zerubbabel and Joshua, they knew that in coming back to this land that God had promised them and God had given them and God had given them again, that they wanted to honor God in doing so. And the people around were just, even the people that were with them were just negative. Walking back to the past. Pointing back to what it was rather than looking ahead at what God's going to do with it. And they were discouraged. And Haggai starts pointing out this fact. And he goes back to verse 4. He says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, all you people. Work. I am with you, declares the Lord. Look at what he says in verse 5. I love that how man, when man tries to, uh, to pull one on God, God pulls one on them. Because man was sitting here pointing back and be like, well, what it used to be was was better than this. God said, you want to talk about the past? Let's talk about the past. And look what the terminology God uses in verse 5. This is what I covenanted with you. You remember when God made a covenant with his people? Back with Abraham? He said, I'm your God. And I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to bail on you. So when God says, when he's going to encourage his people because they're being discouraged by people, just, well, just look how it used to be. He said, well, let's go back before that. Remember the covenant I, the Lord, your God made with you. I'm still holding true to that because you're my people and I'll be with you. When we get this idea of, they were talking about this building, this temple is not near as glorious as what it was. God says, I'm going to give you a fresh glimpse of glory. Number one, I'm the same God that covenant with you from the beginning and I have never left you. You're sitting there worried about what it used to look like. I want you to see what it could be. I want you to see the glory I have in store for you. And when you look at this passage, he says, you know what? The glory of the temple you're building now will be so much greater than the glory of the last. And this is why. In the last temple, Solomon's temple, they built it so that the Shekinah glory of God could be filled with the temple. This, this holy cloud that went before the people back in the they were wandering in the desert, that it was filled with this idea. But they were rebuilding a temple and God himself says in this passage, you have no idea the glory I have in store for the temple in which you're building. Because if you flip over a few more pages, you're going to introduce yourself, you're going to be introduced in God's word to a man named Jesus. And Jesus went to this place in Jerusalem called the temple. And Jesus himself, God incarnate, the Messiah, walked in the temple that was being built in the days of Haggai. 
And God says, don't worry about what it used to look like because what it used to look like couldn't even house what I've got in store for what you are building now. The people wanted to point back to what used to be. God says, look at what I've got planned for you. Church, when we look at Westmead, we are built, we have this rich legacy upon us, but God is not done with what he wants to do in Westmead Baptist Church, what he wants to do in Decatur, Alabama. That we don't need to sit back and say, well, we used to do this. We used to have this program. We used to do it this way. That's great. And it got us to where we are. But let's be excited and let's keep our eyes on God and what he has for us in the future. It's not comparing what it was. It's looking at what it was built us to what God wants it to be, including me, including you. We've got to keep our eyes on what God is doing and move forward in that. Because I tell you what, the glory that God has for himself through his people only gets greater following our obedience when we live biblically. So we get this fresh glimpse of glory. I just love that he's pointing to the idea that this, this one, uh, what does he say in verse seven? I will shake all nations. What is desired by all nations will come. Well, what do all nations desire? Deliverance. What do all nations desire? Truth. What do all nations desire? Messiah. What all nations desire will come and it will fill this temple with glory. The second thing he challenges them with is a fresh perspective on provision. A fresh perspective on provision. And this kind of harkens back to what we already saw in chapter 1. When the people were putting their needs in front of what God called them to do, God was limiting what they were pursuing in order to get their attention. He was holding back. He was making sure that as they were trying to harvest and as they were trying to make all this money, God was limiting it. And it was one of these ways because God was wanting to show them, you are relying on yourselves for everything you need. Rely on me for what you need, but do so in what I've commanded you in obedience. And he's pointing them back to that a little bit in this second passage. And that's in verses 10 and through, uh, through 19. We see a summary of what God told Haggai to ask the priests. When he asked the priests uh, these questions, and it can be a little confusing. I'm just going to put it in, in common language for you. It says, he asked them this, if something holy touches something unholy, does it become holy? The priest said, nope. Just because you have something that's holy, and it just happens to brush up against something that's unholy, it doesn't make that holy. If my watch is really holy, which it's not, it's just a watch. But if I set it down right here, it doesn't make the whole podium holy. That's what he's saying. That's what he's asking there. If he's the, the part about the meat and the garment and the garment and what's happened to brush by something. That's what he said. If you have something that's holy and it touches something unholy, does it become holy? No. Well, if something unclean touches something clean, does it become unclean? The priest answer, yes. And you look at this and be like, well, what is this about? He's pointing them to the perspective of provision. And the provision is not just about what God has given them, but who are they to be in response to that? Remember, if, if you remember the history lesson in this, when they initially started to build the temple, there was a group of people that came to offer their assistance to help build the temple. It was the Samaritans. The Samaritans lived unholy lives. They didn't live lives consecrated to uh, the living God. They had many gods that they worshipped. And the Jews at the time, they said, you know what? No, thanks. We don't want you to help. Uh, and it was basically because you're, you're unclean. 
You are a group of people that doesn't love the Lord our God. Why would you want to be a part of a temple? Because suddenly you're going to start, if you start building this thing, you're going to basically taint it um, with unclean hearts. And he's pointing to this passage and he says, hey, hey, I got to ask the priest this. And when he asks these two questions, it's basically talking about association. Just because something's holy doesn't make everything else holy. But when something's unclean, it makes everything unclean. He's talking about the condition of their hearts. He's talking about the intention of their motives. He's talking about the intentions of what they're bringing to the table in being obedient to the Lord. The Lord God is holy. And in doing so and honoring him, that doesn't make them holy. That doesn't make what they're doing right. It doesn't justify them to go out and do what they want to do. There were still people, and this might be shocking to some of you, there were still people that even though they were being obedient and building God's house, they were still doing it with a wrong heart. I could be building my house. Didn't have time to make Terrence making me come out here and lay these pillars on the wall. Building my house is such a nice house. That even though they were doing something in obedience, they, they still weren't doing it. But then when they got done, be like, hey, you know what? I spent time on building the Lord's house. Now it's time to go do what I want to do. There's not a separation there. And when we talk about what the Lord is doing, who he is, is holiness. And when we are a part of that to reflect his holiness... But if we choose, we can't separate from that. It doesn't make us holy when we choose and go and do and live our own life. When we are, when we are being honoring, when we're honoring God and how we're living and what we're doing and being obedient, all it takes is one bad thing to mess it up. It disqualifies us. Talk about this unclean and becomes something that's alive makes it unclean as well. That's what he says. So it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do, whatever they offer then is defiled. They were getting justified by, their temp- by building their temple. They weren't being justified by pursuing the Lord. They were struggling with that. And God wanted to give them that fresh perspective. And it keeps going as they dive into it. He says, give careful thought to this. If you see that all throughout Haggai, man, God is telling his people multiple times, you might want to stop and think about this. You might want to hold up. You might want to stop and think about that. When I was a kid and my mom or my dad, you might have said, uh, hey, Justin, you might want to hold on a minute and just think about what you're doing. When my dad said it, he had that tone. Anybody ever remember? Do you remember your dad's tone? And you knew it was that tone? Anybody other than me? Yeah. Yeah, that, you, you, don't, you don't forget that tone. You might want to think about what you're doing right now. That wasn't a, okay, I'm going to do it anyway. No, when, when dad said that, it was game on. It was like, boy, you better stop. Because you need to think about what you're doing. Because the next thing you're going to think about is, why is he hitting me so hard? So give careful thought to what you're doing. God said that several times. Now give careful thought. Verse 15, now give careful thought to this from this day on. And see what he says here. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the temple. Again, pointing back to what we already talked about in chapter 1. You chased after everything you wanted. And when you came time to find what you were looking for, you were lacking. You didn't have enough. Because everything you pursue is not enough. Because whatever you pursue, if you think it fills your tank, you're going to keep pursuing it and it's going to leave you empty. I want you to have a new perspective on provision. Because when you are obedient, I bless you. When you are obedient, I come through for you. When you do what I've called you to do, when God gets behind something, there's something that's going to come out of it. But when we ignore that to do what we want to do, why would God bless that? 
We have to understand the providence that comes from the hand of God is directly linked to our obedience to God. He wants to bless us. We talked about this upstairs in Discover Westmead this morning. He wants to bless us. And this is not like some get-rich scheme. This isn't some prosperity gospel. This is one of these things where when we recognize who God is and the role, the value that we have in his story, and he wants us to see how he is faithful to come through in that, to reflect his goodness in our obedience. Look at what he, how he ends that verse 19. From this day on, I will bless you. Because when you are now doing what I've called you to do, when you're obedient, I'm going to line it. I'm going to take care of everything. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to turn out exactly the way you want it. And that's something we wrestle with. That's something we got to get over ourselves. Well, God, you said you'd bless me, but it didn't turn out the way I wanted. When you say, when God gives blessing, that's his definition. He defines it how he needs to in order for us to see what he wants us to see in it. So we need a new perspective on provision. For what God provides, it's for his glory, not for our glory. It's for our good, but it's for his glory. And then we get down to this fresh view of victory. That last kind of section. It's sectioned off to my Bible. I don't know if it is in yours. It says, the word, the word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month, which is the first time that God prophesied twice in one day. To, through Haggai. Tells Arubabel, governor of Judah, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. We saw that earlier in verse 6. I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones. I will shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers, horses, their riders will follow each one the sword of his brother. You see, this is the remnant of the people of Israel. They're building a temple. And in the first chapter, we saw how people were coming against them, whether it was the Samaritans or the Greek courts or the Persian courts, excuse me, and everything that was coming against them. God says, I'm going to be with you. But at the same time, this is kind of a crazy lawless time period. And there were probably a lot of people that still had some bad feelings about the Israelites from when God delivered the Israelites the first time and gave them the promised land. So they knew there was going to be conflict. They knew there were going to be things to come. And this is God's way of affirming Zerubbabel again, encouraging him, dude, hang in there. I've got this. You're the leader of this remnant of people. I've got this and I will be glorified. I'm going to protect you. I will overturn. I will prevent anything from rising against you as long as you are honoring and glorifying me. In Zerubbabel's life, later on, it says in the end of the chapter, he says, for I have chosen you. We see this, this incredible thing of Zerubbabel. By the way, me and Terrence were talking about Zerubbabel this morning. If you're just like really into biblical character studies, just go study Zerubbabel. He's all throughout the Minor Prophets. It's really cool. But one of the coolest things about Zerubbabel is if you flip over in Matthew and in Luke, you see Zerubbabel listed in the lineage of Jesus. So when we see God refer to Zerubbabel as, I will use you as a, you will, uh, how does he say? I will make you like my signet ring. Signet ring is something that a king would have, and when he would deliver a message, he would put the stamp of that signet ring on that message. So when people received it, they knew it was from the king. He said, Zerubbabel, you're going to be my signet ring, for I've chosen you. What does it mean? How did he chose him? Go look in the lineage of Jesus. That it wasn't just the glory of the Messiah that would fill the temple, but he would use Zerubbabel to bring about his plan of bringing the Messiah into the world. And it wasn't just that for Zerubbabel, it's like this fresh view of victory for all of us. 
I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. Same thing in verse 6. I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. Their work was not in vain. God was faithful and he was about to do great things. I'm going to shake things up, buddy. You know what it sounds like to me? Sounds like to me at the end of chapter 1, the people were getting stirred up. You know what it sounds like to me in the end of chapter 2? When the people started being obedient and doing the work that God created them to do? Sounds like God's getting a little stirred up, doesn't it? It sounds like he's getting a little excited. It says, finally, we have a people who are being obedient, and I'm about to shake the earth. I'm about to move. Because when God moves, church, things don't stay the same. When God moves, the world shakes. When God moves, chains break. When God moves, prisoners come walking out to proclaim the gospel. And everybody left behind saying, what just happened? And the only answer to say it is God was moving. We see Haggai pointing Zerubbabel, God himself speaking to his prophet saying, trust me. Because we're about to shake this place. Because you're obedient. Because I have great plans for you. He gave him a fresh glimpse of glory. He gave him a fresh perspective on provision. And he gave him a fresh view of victory. Maybe today you're sitting there thinking, man, I could use a fresh start too. Maybe today you just need to take a break and say, well, what glory are you pursuing? Because maybe your fresh start begins with a fresh glimpse of glory. That you've been pursuing what you want, what would make your life complete, what would make you better, and what would make everything in your world more perfect. But we're ignoring who God is in that whole environment. Then that's where your fresh start needs to begin. You need a fresh glimpse of glory. The glory of God the Father. But not just to sit back and be like, wow, look at the glory of God. But for to ask God, I would like, I want your glory, your glory to be made real in my life. I want my life to reflect the goodness of who you are. I want you to receive glory for what's taking place in my life. And suddenly we're not focused on what we want. Suddenly we're focused on the glory of God. That's really putting first things first. Maybe we need that fresh perspective on provision. That everything we've been chasing and everything we've been trying to grab a hold of is like a shadow, a squeeze tighter, and it's even gone even more. And maybe what we've been trying to do is get everything we want for us, but maybe it's one of these things where maybe we need to go to God and say, God, I just need to trust you for what I need. And I'll give you who I am for your glory in it. Maybe we need a fresh perspective on provision because you keep waiting for everything you want to come in. But the boats that God's lined up for you at the dock are sitting there steady and idle because you're not interested in that. What does God have for you? Maybe you need a fresh view of victory. Maybe you've been discouraged. Maybe you're sitting there like, man, I remember that one time I was really fired up for what God was doing and I just kind of quelled out. Maybe it quelled out because the results that happened weren't the ones you expected. Understand, it wasn't your battle to fight. I guarantee you it wasn't your victory to win. But when we didn't get what we were expecting to happen, maybe we need a fresh view of victory of recognizing of what God did was better than what we could have expected. You know what? Maybe, maybe your fresh start precedes all of that. Maybe your fresh start is basically, I can't do it anymore. Everything I've tried, everything I've desired, everything I've pursued, it's just empty, 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 empty. 
I mean, it's a great time for a little while. It makes sense for a little while. I'm justified for a little while, but you know what? At the end of it, I just, I still am longing to know what love is. Here's your fresh start. It has nothing to do with victory or provision. It starts with God's desire for your heart. And the reason you keep getting empty and empty and empty is because you're looking at a non-eternal source to fill you up. And let me, let me just encourage you with something. Let me just, hey, listen, hear me out, man. God loves you. His desire is for you. He's not some egomaniac that just uses people like pawns to get his way. No, his desire is for you. Because he already made a way for you to experience the love he has for you. And his name was Jesus Christ. Because God sacrificed his greatest thing so that you might know today that you are loved by God the Father. And he didn't just love you. Everything you've ever done wrong, even the thing that you're sitting there thinking about right now, like, yeah, but not that. Even that, Jesus died on a cross for that. So that when you open your eyes and recognize the love God has for you, even that is not stopping you from being loved by him. And maybe your fresh start today is just an admittance of saying, I need that kind of love. And it's readily available to you. But it is a choice you have to make. It is a choice you have to make. The fact that Jesus died on the cross for all humanity is absolute truth. But you you have to choose to accept it. Because if you don't choose to accept it, you choose to reject it. And the word says that if we choose to reject it, we are separated from God eternally. So my question to you today is why, why wait? What's stopping you from having the fresh start that changes your life? Church member, for those of you who are in Christ, what's stopping you from getting a fresh start on what God has laid out before you? Because the purpose is not to look at what God has laid out for us. The purpose is to look at seeing what God is going to do. Our focus is not on the work. Our focus is on the Lord. And today, maybe your fresh start needs to happen with you refocusing your eyes on the Lord. Whatever it is today, let's trust him with what he wants to do in this place and in our lives. Will you pray with me? God, I'm so thankful that just like the remnant of Israel and you did not abandon them God you haven't abandoned me you haven't abandoned us you haven't abandoned anybody in this room and God this morning I pray that even now as you're here amongst us God that you would remind us of who you are God for those who are discouraged in this room that you would remind us of the covenant we have through Christ of what you are and what you're going to do. What you've called us to, God. 
God, how we have your, your word and, and when we live biblically to, to be obedient to what you've given us, Father. How you bless that and how you're glorified in that, God. How we get to be a part of what you're doing. And for God, God for some, that's, that's a simple act of forgiveness. And that may not be so simple in our terms, but it's certainly better than having to go to the cross for that person, which you've already done. So God, if there's forgiveness, if there's hard hearts here, Father, we ask that you soften or break them so that the gospel will be made alive. God, for for marriages in this room, God, I pray for humility. I pray that we would get back to to the place where we seek you and desire you to be glorified in our marriages and how we love and respect our spouses. God, this morning, if there is a marriage that is struggling, that Father, they not fix their eyes on the work, but they fix their eyes on you together. God, if there's a wounded heart here, God, that feels like what they have done is too insurmountable to be loved by God, that Father, you would lead them to the place of repentance. And God, their fresh start with you would begin now. God, I pray for the person in this room that even now doesn't know what it's like to be loved by you. I pray that they would open their life to a fresh start in Christ Jesus. It's nothing they have to be or they don't have to clean themselves up, but God, it's just the simple act of submission of coming to you and asking you to change them. And God, that they would experience your love for the first time today. God, we all need a fresh start in some way. So Father, today, may we recognize that it comes from you. And may we run as hard as we can after you, Father, to obtain it. Be glorified in how we respond in obedience, even now. In your name we pray. Amen. Will you stand as we sing?